everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Nick Frank, and I'm one of the owners of Frank Brothers Guitar Company, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Goff of Goff Custom Knives. What's happening? Oh, mate, it's been a busy, busy week. You seem grumpy today. Are you a, are you a grumpy guy today? I'm not. I'm, I'm a little cranky because it just took me like 30 minutes to figure out at these technical issues with recording <laughs> i have had a bit of a day oh no what what's been going on um well i had to run to canadian tire for anybody not living in canada canadian tire is like a kind of shitty hardware store <laughs> that sells lawn furniture and like kitchen supplies and hardware uh and i had to get a like big rabbiting router bit oh okay so we're building this guitar that had to before we laminated the top of the guitar onto the body of the guitar we had to route a cavity into it for these special pickups that are called charlie christians Hmm. and they just the way they get mounted there's a there's a bobbin which is like a sort of plate the base of the pickup and it's it's much bigger than the actual pickup itself that sticks out of the out of the guitar. Oh, wit! Um, so it has to have a big cavity underneath the top, and then the top is the cutout for the pickup is just the size of the pickup itself, not the size of the bobbin, the plate, the base plate. So when we designed the cavities, I didn't make them big enough, so I had to, you know go and I had to plunge, basically plunge this huge router bit into the little opening for the pickup route and undercut the cavity inside of it to be, make it larger. Oh, that sounds dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, it was dangerous. On a fully finished guitar? On a, well, this one hasn't been polished be, because the, you know, typically we will polish the guitars and then route the pickups. But this has an exposed edge, like so that the edge where um, that has been routed would be is visible. So typically, we'll we'll do that before polishing. We'll spray another coat of lacquer so that it seals that exposed edge um, where lacquer meets raw wood, basically. Uh, so it was it's a 90 percent complete guitar right so if if the hole underneath like if the the part that's going underneath is bigger than the opening how do you get the bottom part in uh okay good question so we have a um a cavity that goes on that's the the pick guard covers so it's just a um a port basically Mm. in the top of the guitar that we slip the electronics in through and that that's on most of like the, the guitar, our model that's called the signature model and our model that's called the ultralight. Right. The, you, we can put this port in the top and slip electronics through there. So it's a bit of a, it's, it's a little finicky getting them in, but really not that bad. Um, okay. The other sketchy thing, I think you'll like this, <laughs> <laughs> the cav, the cavity that I had to slip the router bit through mm. was 850 thou wide. But the router bit was one and a quarter inch wide, so I couldn't actually put the router bit through the cavity. Oh, okay. So what? How did you do that then? <laughs> I ground down the edges of the router bit, so it's a two flute router bit, but the whole thing is a big circle. So like a wood router bit. Oh, so you like flattened it out? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so you made a potentially unbalanced router bit and then spun it up to. Now I did to ten thousand RPM. I did uh, make an okay. effort to to balance it, and um, yeah, um, by <laughs> by measuring how like wide each flat was. Right, right. So I I think it was within like a, you know a couple couple tenths, <laughs> a couple couple hundred tenths, <laughs> a couple of tenths of an inch. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's car- carpentry uh, tolerances. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like an an interesting. Interesting day. Jeez. This is an adventure. Kind of surprised uh, uh, that Canadian Tire even had router bits, to be honest. They do have their own brand of uh, janky router bits. Mm, master crap. Master crap. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Did the job. Actually, it came out real clean. I mean, this is inside the guitar. Right. You would be... You would never see this unless you took the pickup out of the guitar, which... 
some people somebody might do. And when you look inside, it actually looks not bad. Wait a second. So the router bit doesn't fit through like lengthwise. You have to like orient it a certain way to yeah. fit it in. So does that mean that you were like, how did you start the the CNC movement inside? Oh no no no! I wasn't using a CNC. Oh you uh, <laughs> okay? This is on a router I was just, table. Yeah yeah. No no not a router table. I just used a hand router. Oh okay okay yeah yeah. But that means it's you like, had to like start it inside yeah. the guitar oh, okay yeah yeah gotcha i was gonna I say like if you uh, you'd somehow like orient the spindle drop it into the thing and start it up inside <laughs> yeah uh no that would be terrifying um this was terrifying enough now mm -hmm. as unsafe as it sounds okay i did wear my safety glasses and earphones oh well that's fine i thought you were gonna say oh that i did something more yeah unsafe. i did something more unsafe it doesn't sound I mean, that sounds like regular woodworking stuff. I'm, I might have, but I'm just not telling. <laughs> okay, that's that's for the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Well, how, how's the rest of your week been? I don't even know now. It's just flown by. Yeah. Well, no, that's this is just that absorbed my entire brain capacity, mm. uh, and now I've forgotten everything. <laughs> uh, I'm taking tomorrow and Friday and the weekend off. Ooh, a long weekend. So... Huh? long weekend nice spend time with the fam how long has it been to... since you had a long weekend uh i took one like two weeks ago <laughs> oh wow okay and before then i hadn't taken any time off in like 18 months right it, uh, bef and then before that i had you know my i had a i took uh, like two weeks off of, for paternity leave right so, so are you guys like salaried employees? Do you have to keep track of your like vacation time and stuff? Like... Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> okay. So you probably are owed a lot of vacation time. Definitely. <laughs> I, should, I should take myself up on that. Yes, yes, you should. Uh, yeah, I mean, my week's been kind of the same. Like I, I've been, I was on a big push there to get more blades out to DLC. Got them sent out to DLC coding last week. They're coming back nice. tomorrow. Nice. Okay, that's a pretty decent turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty fast these days, actually. Great. Um, I made a lot of progress on the kitchen knife last little oh, while. Huge. That's yeah, huge. yeah. Made some really good progress with that. So, I'm on my third production prototype right now. Great. Uh, and how do you feel about it? It's getting each one is getting better and and shinier. That's just lot like lots of little things that are getting tweaked and changed. Like the overall shape of the knife isn't changing, but like the process um, that I'm using for, for machining the bevels is changing. So now I'm doing like, so I actually have a whole, um, I actually have three separate CAD models that go into making the blade. So I have uh, a CAD model that doesn't have the food release kind of channel on the blade, right. doesn't have the pinholes, doesn't have anything. It's just a big flat blade, you know? Um, so I'm like machining that, uh, roughing that with a high feed, um, machining process and then doing, uh, like a waterline, uh, semi rough and then doing a parallel semi finish, you know, each one sneaking up on the, on the finish size. And then wow. I do a final, um, finish pass. Um, so what's the runtime on that? It's going to be long. Through. It's going to be yeah. really long. I'm still, for some reason, so that, uh, this whole process is running on my VM, my Fidal VMC 10, otherwise known as Millie. Um, the classic. The classic. Yeah, and she's still having issues. I'm still having issues with the servos on that machine. Like, it runs 100%, like, totally reliable if I'm running under 70 inches a minute. But then, you know, as soon as I go above that, there's a chance that she'll throw a, a servo overload, like a motor right. overload error. And as I get faster and faster, the chances of that happening are higher and higher. Gotcha. So there's something, my other machine is like, you know, mechanically and elect electrically identical and it, it'll run 160 inches a minute, you know? So Weird. yeah, I'm not, I think something must be broken, but it's something really subtle. Like, you know, it's, it's not bad enough to like, make the machine not run mm -hmm. um and it's not with one specific axis so yeah you mentioned that which is extra aggravating yeah so i'm, I'm gonna have to dig into that i mean 
yeah, we'll, we'll see. I might even go to the point I've actually got. So my VMC 15 has more modern servo drives in it. They are the same, theoretically, mm-hmm. but they're not exactly the same down to the level of the board. So what I might do is actually swap servo drives from one machine to the other um, and see if the problem follows. Right. You know? That's a good idea. Yeah, because that'll at least let me... Eliminate one thing at a time. Yeah, exactly. So are, what when you're hard milling, what what speed are you running at? Um, generally, it's not that crazy. Like I, when I'm doing the high feed roughing on my hunting knife i'm running at 100 inches a minute okay um and uh, i can't remember actually the i think my finished toolpath is 100 inches a minute as well um it was previously slower because i thought that all machines were like all of the fidals were like milli i thought that you know if i went above 70 inches a minute i'd start having problems so i had to like unlearn that Going so is it, wait, sorry. This has been a problem forever. Yeah, it's been since a problem ever since I bought the machine. No way. And I just oh, I thought this was a new thing. No, and I I just thought that was just how the machine was. You know, oh, it's huh. an old machine. Well, I can deal with you know sixty inches a minute, seventy inches a minute. That's fine. And then I got the new one, and I was like, ah, I, you know, I should try turning this up to ten and see what happens. And it just it just kept going. <laughs> you know, I, I kept turning it up and up and up, and it just kept going. So, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what the issue is, but. Something's the issue. Huh. Interesting. Um, it's funny that you've just been living with that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? Like, for most of the stuff that I do, like, 60 inches a minute, uh, you know, it's not far off what you actually want anyway. Um, you know, so it's, it hasn't really been that much of an inconvenience. Yeah, true. But um, when now, sorry, now where I'm moving on to the kitchen knife, the cycle time for this, for just the blade, not including the handle, right now is going to be over seven hours. For, sorry, for one? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like well, I guess... three and a half hours of machining per side for the blade. And then, um, you know, however long the handle scales take on top of that, probably another half an hour. Hmm. And so you got to be running this thing overnight. Well, so the, yeah, that's the problem though. But I have the, my neighbor living next to me, so I can't run it overnight. I know. That's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. it's fucking annoying. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's, but that being said, like, I'm really happy with how the knife has been coming along. Like the, basically I've been working on what's called the, um, an S grind, which is like a geometric feature, like a channel in the middle of the blade that's meant to help release food right um so yeah just been really tweaking that like you know a standard s grind is basically just like a simple radius like a single okay. radius to cut into the blade i'm actually doing like a compound radius now so oh, cool. it's um has sharper curvature at the transition in and out of the, the bevel um and just little little tiny things that are like it's funny how you get that confluence between design and process you know so that channel could within reason be any width and then i realized if i make it a half an inch wide then it's the exact same width as my mold polishing stones and i can Uh, actually dress the tip of a mold polishing stone so i can make like um, uh, a steel uh, like mold and put diamond abrasive on that and then dress the tip of the mold polishing stone to be the exact same shape as the channel and then use that for my finishing Cool. Yeah. So just little things like that that are kind of coming together. Because um, without that stuff, you know, it, like life can be such a pain in the ass. Right. You have to, that's an interesting point. Sometimes you have to give up certain like design features for practicality. Yeah. Yeah. So they call that like um, design for manufacture. Right. Mm. Yeah. And in this it's case, just... I'm not really giving up a. No, you're just, ad- you're adapting. Yeah, that's probably the better a better term for it. Yeah, rather than giving up. Yeah, and all I had to do is you know like the channel was like 0.45 inches before because that's what right. looked right to me. You know, there was no particular reason for it. And then I was like, hang on a sec, if I make that 0.5 and I just like kind of tweak the space around it to make it look right again, then I get this additional benefit. You know, so right. Yeah, it's been it's been good fun working on it. Yeah, that's rad. I'm so excited to see that come to fruition. Me too, buddy. It's been 
And I want to chop some tomatoes, as you might call Tomatoes? It. Yeah, it's been like six, five, six years in the making at this point. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's a bit slow, even for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, six years, that's, that's amazing how fast that goes. Yeah, it is, right? It um, is. Yeah, so if, speaking of um, speeding things up, mm-hmm. we we were running through some programs on the Haas and just like getting obsessed a little bit with how how fast we can push this thing. Right. Um, And we were just like watching it run and I was like, can we fucking speed these rapids up? Like, so we just maxed out the rapids. That was one thing. It just shaved so much time off. Mm. Um, And just like bumping up, like I, we don't have this on the the gantry router, but like just being able to bump up the the, the feed rate, yeah, the feeds, yeah, machine um, half of it at the program feed rate, now the half at like one hundred and fifty percent. See if your surface finish is okay, and exactly. So we've been pushing that and to the limit of where it, the surface finish was not good, right. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, well, you know, a a, a better tool might be able to actually give us the surface finish we want at this feed. Yeah. Feed rate. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. hundred percent. So it's making me think a lot more about tool geometry mm. um, and how we can, what, what tool geometry would work in order to speed up a process. Right. Cause you guys are uh, probably the, I would imagine the most time consuming one is like the 3d contouring of the face of the guitar. Yeah. How long would you think that would take? Well, what tool are you using right now? Half inch square. Half inch square. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think fifteen minutes. Okay, it's twenty. Was twenty seven to start. We got it down to like twenty two. Huh. Um. Now, so the what we are we'd like to use instead of a single flute square end mill. Oh, it's single flute. Okay. Yeah, is a three flute uh, corner rad. And mill. Yes, I think corner rad is a hundred percent the right way to go. Um, why three flute, and is it still going to be half inch? Yes, half inch. Okay. So there's there's another thing that's keeping us from going up in size. Mm. Uh, the frame size we can we don't want to step. So it's got there's got to be a flat right at the end of the arch. Right. So by stepping up the tool size, you have to make that flat bigger and then we're going to run into like our our bushings we could push the bushings out further but then like you have to like are the... remake the fixtures and then well we yeah. have to remake the fixtures but then also we've got a now our wood length has to be longer right and then the, the wood lumber comes in these not standardized lengths but the wood we have currently is divisible by like 18 inches <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so i was like i can't make a body 19 inches long yeah it's funny how all of this stuff knocks on isn't it when you start it like totally changes to your process so we're just trying to live with with that and speed it up right as fast as we can and get you know like a signature model which is machined on both sides if we can get that down to 30 minutes both sides we'd be you know a lot faster yeah twice as fast as we're currently making them for sure so my other um, question is like so right now you're using a single flute, and you said you're going to go to a three through a three, three flute. flute. Wow, that's hard to say. Corner rad. Why three? Why not? <laughs> Why not four? Um, well, we probably could do four for this surfacing operation. Mm. We still want to take a pretty good chip load. So, right, you you know by increasing the number of flutes, you're you're reducing the size of the gullet of the tool. Right, and we want a nice big fluffy chip. We don't want to be making dust. Um, so th- <clears throat> three seems like reasonable, and just in the the tool manufacturers I've been looking at, like for 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 a. We've been looking at aluminum router bits because we need something sharp. Right. Uh, not, I'm not seeing a lot more than three flutes yeah. for aluminum. Three flutes is pretty standard for aluminum tooling. Right. Uh, I mean, more flutes look cooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we also want like a, a slow helix typically. Right. Um, 
it just, just shears better for wood. You have less. We're also using vacuum fixturing. We don't want to, you know, a ton of pull. Right. Um. So that's why. Yeah. And uh, in a um a corner radius, uh, like a nice big corner radius would be really good for us. Yeah. No. Totally. So. I've seen like eight thou is kind of like a standard corner rod, but um, Harvey, no helical, you can get them up to you can get them from from thirty thou up to like eighth inch, yeah, for a half inch tool, right? Uh, and that would be pretty nice. I mean, essentially, you kind of have like a little ball nose with that that doesn't that's not that has a uh, a better ability to do surfacing like sent because you know you've got you actually when you're center cutting you're not just using the very fine tip of it you've got a pretty flat big flat surface right for that right a bit well you know you know me i i'm so i'm looking at the marital website right now as we speak yeah. and yeah they have three flute half inch um with a 90 thou corner radius oh where i don't see that for 43 bucks it's pretty good yeah so if you just go good. cutting tools end mills corner radius and then three fluters, stock item, buddy. Tool and mills. It looks what? like the helix on these might be a bit faster than you'd want, though. Right. Um... So one Is of it the three flute four aluminum. Yeah. Huh. So um, one th other thing you could do. There's a company called AB Tool. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah. Heard no, of I was I was on their website yesterday. Yeah. So like they'll make specials, like one offs. You know, right. so you could get like straight flute, three fluters, if that's what you want with a corner rad, you know. Um, I don't know what the price would be like on that, but I've heard from other people that, you know, they consider their prices very reasonable. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if, if that's something that would be better because you're worried about lifting the part, then. I'm not incredibly worried about that, to be honest. Like, you, I mean, just a thought. It's just a. I mean, if so, for this, we're this tool we're talking about right now would be mostly for surfacing, right? Um, and the helix isn't as important for that, like the how slow or fast the helix is right. wouldn't be as critical, I don't think. The other thing, I mean, so you know, you've got this super super fast machine. Um, you know, one thing you could do is run roughing passes with a straight flute or even, you know, a, a down cut um, mm -hmm. and, you know, run those really aggressively because you don't care about surface finish and then, uh -huh. you know, remove the bulk of material and then come back and do your, your contouring. And then because you're removing so much less material in each pass, you're not going to be worried about, it's not going to be creating as much upward force. True. You know? um, yeah. But I think, so what you guys are running a 22 minute cycle with a single flute tool. Yeah. When you go to three flutes, like you, sh you know, assuming that you're not limited by feed rate, you should be able to go three times faster. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. So what what feed rate is are you running at right now with a single flute? Like two eighty or three hundred. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hustling. So yeah, you're going to be like pushing all the way up to you know a thousand inches per minute. That's yeah. That's where it maxes out. I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's going to be very cool to watch. You're going to have to uh, let me know when that's <laughs> when that's happening. I don't know. Yeah, we'll probably will try something like that. I was going to say like, oh, we might not like. It sounds scary, but fuck it, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, you'll have to let me come and and watch that. Maybe I need to film it for you guys or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tool wise, though, I did finally get in touch with uh, the distributor for Helical. Mm. So is that Triumph tool in Canada? Triumph tool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Talked to a super nice person there and she was really helpful and said, just send me your cart basically. Right. And so I did. And then, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's three days to get it shipped from Helical directly to them and then overnight to us. So right. still probably not as fast as ordering from Mari tool. Right. Well, if they have what you need, you should order from, from Marital. Just saying. You know, yeah, I'm, no, I, I will. You know, I'm, I'm going to order. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to order all my, my tool holders from them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I would love if I could order actual tools from them. Yeah, 100%. And Mills. Um, 
So I had a, a visit from a mutual acquaintance of ours this morning at the shop. Mm-hmm. Had our friendly neighborhood Haas rep came in. Oh, Fabrizio. Yeah. He was going to be in the, the neighborhood. He called me too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he came in and... He Did just, he just stop by? No, he, he set the, okay. set it up with me in advance. He just wanted to come in. He's a and, gentleman. He yeah. Is, yeah, super nice dude. But he just wanted to come and have a look around the shop. And, um, you know, as you said, how can we get into you into a new house today? <laughs> um, but no, he's super nice. Didn't give any, any like high pressure sales tactics or anything. Just had a, a poke yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and he said he's actually going to have some of the their applications guys like um, I'm going to send them some videos and photos of my surface finish and that kind of stuff because, you know, like I'm I'm the surface finish that I'm demanding that I would want out of a new machine is like pretty intense. You know, right. like when like I if you're going to spend the money, it better be good. Yeah, exactly. Like when I talk about so like I'm hard milling, you know, like I sky's the limit for the the amount of like the quality of the surface finish that I can produce because there's no smearing or anything in that surface. Mm-hmm. So like with really good tools and a really good machine, like you can absolutely produce like perfect, perfect mirror finishes, which is cool. insane. But the machines that'll do that. So like a Makino F5, for instance, mm-hmm. would do that. But that's like, I believe there's something in the region of like three to $400,000 US. Right for one for one machine and those things are huge i I watched a video today of a a walk around of one and you know so from the front it looks like a normal vmc but then it's like you know one and a half times as deep as it's massive the casting in the back is just massive i guess that's what makes it so rigid (laughs) yeah and then it has an outboard chiller that like it runs coolant through all of its castings to keep the whole thing at the same temperature all the time um maybe yeah it's just just crazy crazy machines you know so if i was to buy a machine like that like i know i could produce mirrors all day okay because that was going to be my question is a Haas good enough and that's the thing like i i don't know you know i even said to the Haas rep fabrizio i you know i, I opened up the website and went to the page for the vm series mills which is their like mold making mills mm-hmm. and they have an image on the website of um a male mold that's part of like a like a video game controller and the surface finish isn't that great you know so i don't know whether it's it's kind of a matte finish you know so i don't know whether they're showing like a roughing pass or are they showing it on um soft steel that that looks to me like a finish that you would get on a soft like a kneel could it have been intentional that finish maybe because if you're talking about mold making maybe they wanted Maybe the they mold, wanted a particular the, the, the part to come out. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, so if you, um, I can't remember where I saw this, but Makino do a demo where they take you know a piece of hardened steel and they machine this like sculpture of a dolphin into it, and every like straight off the machine, every surface is a mirror, like all of the curves, everything. Wow. It, like, you know, and I've never seen a demo like that run on a Haas. I have no idea right. what the upper limit is for surface finish on one of their mold making machines, you know? So, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would really like to get an answer to that question. Is there somewhere like in between a Makino and a Haas that would be, if you're going to put in a hundred and a hundred thousand, hundred and five thousand us dollars mm-hmm. for a VM two or something. Um, could you, you know, put in a little more and get a, uh, like what for 150, can you get a DMG? Yeah, I wouldn't. So I used to be really, you know, <laughs> at half mast for, for DMGs. Um, stoked, stoked on DMG. Oh, so stoked on DMGs because they look <laughs> sexy. You know, they really do. Like they've got that spaceship. The new design. ones are really, yeah. Like the older ones look like a normal VMC, but yeah. yeah. And part of the issue is that, you know, as I was talking to more people about them, and looking back at their history, it seems like every couple of years, they're basically doing like a ground up redesign of their machines. So when you look at like um, the the Dura Vertical series was, I think that was more like Mori before DMG and Mori kind of became one thing, you know? Um, the Dura Vertical series had an amazing reputation. They were supposed to be really, really good, especially for the money. Like they were really nice. And then dmg mori like redesigned that and it was like a ground up redesign and they sucked and then they've right. redesigned them since then again you know so 
one of the issues I did hear that. Yeah. yeah, you know, one of the issues that I have when thinking about like a DMG is that you know what's the continuity of the parts going to be like? You know, all all that kind of stuff is is just an issue. Um, mm. So, I, but that they're, they're a huge company, and there's got to be a mat like every year. They're how many of those things are they pumping out? They have to have a huge, uh, like. Undoubtedly, uh, they have spare parts, but you know, yeah. what do they want for them? <laughs> right, like <laughs> good, good question. You know, like I know a Fidal or a Haas, you get spare parts, and they're you know not expensive. Well, the, that, and that's like buying a Honda Civic. If you're going to buy a Ferrari, everything's going to be expensive. Yes, yeah, and that is one of the issues. You know, like on the on the more expensive, fancier machines. Um, you know, so one of the guys on Practical Machinist often tells this story. He's like, oh, they got a, I think it was a, a Mazak, you know, a brand new machine, really, really nice, like a, a mold making machine. And they were super in love with it. And then they had a crash and they hosed the spindle and the new spindle was like 25K. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that experience, he was like, well, uh, I guess I'll stick with Fidel's, you know, like, I don't know if that's the right answer but it it is a little terrifying to think of like crashing a machine and then having a repair bill that's like you know a quarter of the cost of a new machine Um, what does it what does it cost to replace a Haas spindle uh, about 4k 4k okay they're not expensive i think it depends on the model but i've looked at a couple of like vf spindles um so one of the really nice things is you can go to diy.haascnc.com and right. type in the serial number of your machine, and it'll show you all of the parts that you can buy for your machine. All of the replacement parts and their prices. Just, you don't have to call anyone. You don't have to get quotes. It's just all there. Uh, that's sick. Yeah. I kind of want to look up and see how much it's going to cost me to replace my 15K spindle if I ever crash Yeah, it. <laughs> you, sh- you should totally have a look, you know? Like, it's, it's just interesting to know. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, in my mind, the middle ground between, like, a Haas VM... And a Makino F5 is probably the Okuma Genos M560V. Cool. So that's a 40 by 20 um, VMC, but it's a, I don't know what they call it, like a dual column or a bridge style. Right. Yeah. So the the spindle, uh, the X, or sorry, the, yeah, is it the X? Yeah. Moves, the, like the spindle moves? Yeah. So the spindle moves left and right and up and down and then the table moves in and out on y yeah yeah that's really cool so those are like really really rigid machines um right because it's not like a c uh, style yeah c frame i C-frame, so yeah. i think from memory i think that machine weighs something like twenty three thousand pounds whoa yeah for a 40 by 20 yeah <laughs> wow yeah um let me i can i can find the website while we're talking um yeah, and they have so you can buy the the basic machine and it's supposed to be very good, but then they have an an add-on called Super Nerbs, which rather than taking G code, it actually takes like data straight from your CAM software, from your CAD software rather, so that it can more accurately recreate flowing curved surfaces. And that is like a $15,000 add-on. Wow. Uh, but you that you know just having the option to do that means that they you know very much have mold making in in right. their mind when they're right. when they're doing that because again if you look on the Haas website and you look at the VM um, page they have that you know controller video game controller demo and if you look at um, a couple of the like curved kind of um, bulge features that are in the middle of that image you can actually see facets on on those features you know so that's evidence of um you know the g-code was output with straight lines rather than uh with smoothing or the smoothing tolerance for those curves isn't quite right um and that's exactly the kind of thing that supernerves is like designed to get rid of right which would be great for you 100 percent. yeah i mean yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if I can really justify it. You know, like, right now I fix the problem by doing more hand finishing. <laughs> right. Um, Which is is expensive, and if you think about it. Oh, yeah, totally. But, you know, I don't have, right now, I don't have the demand to make that not feasible. Right. So, 
you know. Yeah. Your labor d- doesn't come with a uh, high enough cost. Yeah. Right. It doesn't come. You, you don't have to go to a bank to get a loan for your labor. Right. So just I just found those the... genos aren't bad price though. No, they're not. It, it's um I think they're like 130... 125 US. Yeah, I'm guessing US. Yeah, and so I just I mean, found the spec sheet. Who knows that what that comes with? Uh, so that machine is sixteen and a half thousand pounds, not twenty three, by the way, just as a correction. Still for I guess like a VF three, which is for no VF four is forty by twenty. Uh, VF three. You have three, 40 by 20. Those things are like 12, 12,000 pounds, I think. Yeah. So that, that machine comes standard with a dual arm style 32 pocket uh, tool changer, wow. um, cat 40 dual contact spindle, 15,000 wow. RPM. Great. Wow. Um, I believe that they'll run up to what? So it's 1,500 inches a minute rapids. And the max feed rate on each axis is 1,200 inches a minute. And it will do that with... <laughs> the max workpiece weight is 2,000 pounds. Holy shit. This thing's fucking... This thing rules. Yeah, they are an absolute beast. I should get one of these. <clears throat> I've had my eye on one for a long, long time. I think that, you know, short of buying a Makino, um, the Okuma is, like, very much the machine that I would buy. And yeah. I, I have had kind of you know, followed threads with people um, that have bought them on Practical Machinist and I haven't heard any, anyone being unhappy with them. You know? It looks awesome. It lo- kind of looks like an old Dura Vertical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very similar style. Apparently, so I just remembered, apparently they do leak around the doors. Like if you're running high pressure coolant, you can get them to leak onto the floor from the, mm. from the door at the front. That's like one of the only complaints that I've, I've heard. I, it seems like a really stupid thing on a machine that's otherwise so well dialed in. Um, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. But the interesting thing is that apparently that machine under the hood has been the same for like 10 or 15 years. Right. So like parts are well available for it. Um, and it's actually, so they have, Okuma have a higher spec machine called the MB56, I think. And those are actually the same iron. Like the machine is the same. It's just that the MB56 is more, it's like built to order rather than okay. the M5, M5, oh, yeah, M560V is pre-built with a set of options. And then you can add to that if you want. Okay. Yeah. The M560V. Okay, M560V. M460. So the M560V is slightly bigger. 133. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. $133,000 US, right? The base price. I think, okay. Yeah. But think about it. I mean, what is in a VM3 is going to be like, I get, to, it depends on the options. Like, I don't know if this comes, 90, like that. yeah. that's what it would start at, but it's not going to come with 15K spindle. Um, right. Or 32. It's, gonna, it's not going to come with, it's going to come with the umbrella style tool changer, maybe at that. No, the VM. No, the VM comes with the Yeah, side, the VM, the side VM machine stuff, they um, come with the dual arm style. Right. Um, um, still, I mean, if you, you could spec out a VM3 to be close to this price, but it would come with a tool probe. Yes. And yeah. Um, I don't know, whatever other option. Like, a, this does this have a uh, chip auger? uh i don't know i i would imagine it's uh, an extra right so every, yeah if they you might be you might have to spend 150k to make this machine more practical right but you know as you said like, like you were asking about a middle ground between like the super expensive machine and the Haas. and mm-hmm. for me i think that'd be the sweet spot you know if someone's looking for like a beast of a machine to put in their small shop mm-hmm. yeah that that okuma is I like it. Yeah. And um, I think there's a video on YouTube where a guy is running a Haas VM. And then I think it's one of these machines in comparison. And he tries to take a re- the, like a really big hogging cut on the Haas. And it's like, and you just, you know, spindle overload the machine halts, like faults out. Mm-hmm. And then he takes the same cut on the other machine. And it's just, you know, it's throwing huge chips, just goes straight through this block of like <laughs> um, mold steel, you know? Right. Um, I'll have to see if I can find the video and put it in the show notes. Um, I'll see that. 
Yeah, their website is too funny though. The Okuma website? Sorry. Yeah. What's what's wrong with it? Well, they have one photo of the machine. Yeah. They've got these little plus symbols all over it, and you'd think that would maybe pull up a photo. Nope. But <laughs> nope. It just it's currently just this plus symbol is blocking my view of the spindle right. nose. And I wanna see how fuck I wanna see how big it is. Right. How burly is the spindle? They have some videos underneath. Maybe I'll put some of those like links in the show notes as well. Um, right. Oh, yeah, you're right. They do. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Because that's one thing. When you look at a Haas, the spindle nose is like not that big. It's kind of small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, so bigger bearings are more rigid, but bigger bearings are more expensive. Mm-hmm. And bigger bearings with high uh, RPM ratings, are, you know, the cost just goes up astronomically um yeah the only thing that i worry about with a machine like this so that 15k spindle that's in the okuma i'm not sure whether that has ceramic bearings or steel bearings and i have heard i can't speak to this directly but i've heard that spindles with ceramic bearings in them are much less tolerant of being crashed right a little more delicate yeah i don't know what mine has uh but it's got a 15k spindle right have you crashed it yet I haven't crashed it. <laughs> That's good. Why do you keep thinking we're going to crash it? <laughs> don't don't crash it, please. I'm knocking on some wood for you. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to think of the crashes I've had. I've only really had one that could have toasted a spindle. Um, and I forget exactly what happened. I misprogrammed an, an offset. Um, and I drove the spindle nose downward straight into a one inch piece of uh steel cold old steel which was for better or worse hanging off the side of the vice so it actually like ripped the piece of steel out of the vice it kind of pivoted in the jaws okay and pushed it down yeah um but honestly like the fidal doesn't really have the like servo power to like really smash the spindle like the the servos will fault out before you know, and, and you're only going 100 inches a minute, so there's not that much mass, you know. Whereas something like the Okuma, <laughs> you know, 1,600 inches a minute rapids directly yeah. into a vice. Like, I'm sure that that would toast a spindle. That's That would be good to know. Um, the Haas has this, this uh, what's it called, safe run mm-hmm. mode? So you can and you can run it in safe run. It slows the rapids down. So if you are, I don't. I I imagine it. This also works if you're like in the cut. But if it's taking too high a load, right, then it'll it'll stop itself. Something. Like I did that. look into that a little while ago, and I believe it's only active in G zero, which is rapid. Right. I, I believe that's when you. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, I think when you're in the cuts, so when you're running a G one or. a g3 or whatever it is not active at that point and so you could technically crash it right. um but yeah i mean the answer is just don't crash your machine <laughs> well you're rapiding at 600 inches per minute or a thousand inches per minute right that's that if you're going to crash doing you're not really going to be doing that in the cut necessarily <laughs> right yeah totally that going that fast so oh it's okay it is well, it is always <laughs> It's it's both fun and saddening to look at machines like this because I would love one, obviously. Yeah. You know, you'll get one. Yeah, I'm confident hopefully. you will. No, you will for sure. I mean, it's not as honestly, it's not even that crazy. Uh, it's a big price tag, but yeah, you could this this could be. I don't think it would be transformative to your business. I think what you're doing right now is is smart. But if you're when you when you want to make that next step up, up in production yeah you could add this to your uh you know your the the machines you already have yep yeah and i mean one thing keep running the fidals i and then i think that just go to town with this i think that when this comes into play probably what i would want to do is get something like the uh, uh the generous and then a wire edm and move all of my parts, all of my you know knives over to the window style machining, where they're held into the the blank, and then I'm machining in on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and have like 
two kitchen knives, two resolutes, two folding knives all on the table at the same time and do like, you know, mirror finishes on everything. 24 hour cycle time, just keep the machine running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then, you know, wire EDM the parts out of the the steel blanks and then keep the fiddles for running composites, like for running handle materials. Totally. Um, And that would be crazy. Like, I, I think at that point I would be getting blades like parts straight out of the machines that could go like i could ship them straight to a customer without touching them at all right that's what you want you put a fucking uh parts loader right in front of this there you go yeah pallet changer or something yeah yeah really though i mean you totally could yeah yeah i mean i think that um that kind of automation becomes less important when you end up with like a 24 hour cycle time or a 12 hour cycle time sure yeah. you know because then yeah, that's true like i only have to go to the the you know, I have to be in front of the machine once a day to change parts. Like that's not, not a big deal. Right. I'm okay with that. You have, and you have, it's like, oh, I'm going to run, do a weekend run for two days straight. And then you have, a, you only have 32 tool holders in this machine. Mm-hmm. You have a bro, you have a broken tool or a tool runs it's through its life. Right. Um, and the machine alarms out because of that. And now it's just sitting there. Yeah, and I think you'd have to work really hard to dial all that stuff in. You know, like right. maybe you're doing tool changes every two cycles or something. You know, that that's right. not outlandish for the kind of work that I do. Um, or maybe um, even once a cycle. Yeah. You know, tool change every cycle as well, like um, putting in new tools every cycle. Right. Um, I think that's a good uh segue to Ooh, the customer question question sure i don't think it was a question but they just sent a customer but did i say customer <laughs> listener i think you mean um i mean you guys could buy some of our stuff and then you'd be customers mm-hmm. um listener sent us a video of an automatic tool changing system that this person built Yes. Uh, on their CNC. Have you watched this video? I have, yeah. So this was sent to me <laughs> so by um, awesome. Elson Knives on Instagram. And yeah. uh, Eric at Elson Knives is actually the guy that bought my hard-inch CNC lathe. Cool. Yeah, so he got a really nice machine there. I wish I'd had space to keep that. But yeah, that that so he sent us a video, as you said, of this tool-changing system that's been retrofitted onto a CNC router, and it's using ER collets. It's, and it has this hilarious. It has the system for like automatically talking, like tightening and loosening the ER collets. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've never even thought about that. When you think of like having uh, redundancies, mm-hmm. like to extra tools, you think about having a second tool holder with that tool in it. <laughs> right. Never thought of a system like this is wild. It makes sense for what this person's doing because it's just a uh, they've got a gantry router. It's small. And I imagine, like, they don't show them cutting anything, but it looks like they probably just use one tool for everything. Right. Like one one router bit. So it's like a small, it's like an eighth-inch uh, shank with, I don't know, whatever. It's like a, maybe it's an eighth-inch uh, tool diameter. Well, you but, mean they, they um, use um, one tool shank size, right, for everything? Tool shank size, yes, true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay, that's a good point. Is it taking... In, is it in place of a tool changer itself? Yeah, yeah. Like it's so he has a sp- like an ER collet spindle, you know, with no tool holder or anything. It's it's integral ER collets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has a one eighth ER collet in there, and all of his tools have one eighth shanks. You know, so he's got like ten tools, twelve tools, or something. And so he he's actually got this system on the machine that's loosening the ER collet then coming over to the tool magazine, pulling the, the little tool out, and then moving over to another tool with the same one-eighth shank and dropping down onto it, and then going back okay. over and tightening the collet up again. It's crazy. Right. I See, I zipped through the video quickly before we started this, but right. that's hilarious. That's even better. He's using it as a tool-changing system, Yeah. As a, yeah. which it says in your show notes. Um, I thought he was just like, I thought he would just have the same, he had the same tool. Oh, he was using it when it when he had when that tool was worn or broke. So yeah, it's kind of interesting you say that because the tools that he's using are um, all one eighth shank tools, and then they have a little um, plastic um, 
kind of collar. Collar, tool, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that you've seen tools like that. Um, we I, have tools like that, yeah. There you go. So those tools are actually from a specific industry. They're from the printed circuit board manufacturing industry. And oh. and the reason they put those collars on there is because they actually use those to set the Z height, like the Z length of the tools. Um, so okay. if you were to buy, you know, 10 of the same um, cutting bit, so like, you know, a, a 164th end mill with a 1 8th mm -hmm. shank, every single one of those between the back face of the plastic collar and the tip of the tool will have the exact same length to within a couple of thousandths of an inch. Yeah, no, they and we do buy them like that. We buy them these packs right. of 10, I think. Uh, and they are reasonably accurate, like the tool length. Right. Doesn't change much between them. And the reason sweet. Yeah. And the reason they do that is because the the CNC routers that they use for machining circuit boards go through end mills like crazy because they're really? little tiny tools and they're machining G10, which is the same stuff I use for my knife handles. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very abrasive. So these machines actually automatically throw out tools and put in new tools. <laughs> um, so they like, you know, e they know that they can use each cutting tool for, you know, 30 minutes of, of routing. And then after that, it literally like, chucks it in a little bin, grabs a new tool. And because it already has that collar, it actually pushes it into the spindle up to that collar and that's your z length and they they accept that tolerance range yeah and they don't need to touch it off yeah it's good enough yeah genius um and the spindles that they use in that industry actually don't have tool holders they actually just have like a direct clamping system that's designed specifically just to accept those one eighth shank tools like kind of like a a lathe yeah exactly like um you know like a 5c collet on a lathe or something except right. much smaller that's sick yeah so it, i've thought before about you know some system for using er collets exactly like this guy is doing to to change tools um one thing that i thought about in the past was rather than having um like a vfd driven a variable frequency drive driven spindle like you would normally have a servo driven spindle and then you could actually use the servo drive for the spindle to tighten and loosen the ER collet nut. Like, you, how would that work? If you dropped the ER collet nut into uh, like a stationary wrench that's mounted to the table, then you could slowly turn it. Um, using you could slowly turn the spindle using the servo to tighten. Isn't that it up. what this guy did? He actually has a second um, axis. So he has like a wrench that comes up around the the ER collet and like um, holds the and spindle stationary torquing. and then it turns the bottom. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure um, from watching the video if the spindle was the what was was turning. Yeah, the spindle staying stationary. It's it's a crazy yeah. system. It's a really really clever idea. It's really interesting how it's like a bastardization of kind of multiple ideas from other industries. You know. Um, I liked how DIY it was. Yeah, yeah, it's like lots of three D printed parts and all sorts of cool stuff in there. Yeah, I, I'll put that in the show notes because it is absolutely worth watching. It's very, very cool. Totally. Um, so we don't have much space news this week, unfortunately. There hasn't been much going on. Oh, did sad. I skip space and go straight to? You did, but that's, that's fine. We can we can go back. I had that I had that dope segue. You did. It was beautiful. I appreciate you're doing segues now. You're becoming a pro. Yeah. <laughs> um, so SpaceX is getting set up to do the first static firing of super heavy of their super heavy booster, which is exciting. So there's going to be that's going to be the most powerful rocket ever fired when it when it starts up. Um, it's like 29 Raptor engines on one rocket, which is crazy. So it go fast. It go fast. It go very fast. Nice. So, yes, nothing really exciting to tell you about apart from that. So I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be happening, but hopefully within the next week or two. So Okay. Dumb, dumb question. Mm -hmm. But all those engines, will it get into space faster? <laughs> no. It's just meant to lift okay. more stuff into space. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's what do you call question. that? It's uh it's like it's payload capacity. Right. 
Yeah. So is that okay? Um, if they had just less payload, though, would it go faster? Yes, definitely. Like okay. if you launched an empty one, I imagine it would get to space real fast. Nice, but it would like suck the skin off the astronauts' faces. <laughs> yes, I don't think I don't know if you'd want to ride that up. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to to watching that. And um, so I've, I've oh come on, Richard Branson, no space news. Didn't you watch this thing where the the Virgin guy went to the edge of space? Oh, t- tell me about it, Nick. I didn't watch I don't it. Know anything tell about me about it. it. Dude, this guy got this guy just got harassed by a bunch of people for not actually going into space. <laughs> he, his amazing thing wasn't quite good enough. I guess so. You didn't. Um, come on, you must have seen. No, I didn't seen this. I have honestly. I've been very busy last week, and I didn't didn't catch it. <clears throat> yeah, Richard Branson, the eccentric billionaire, sent himself and some other people to the edge of space and like. Uh, rocket that looks like a plane or something <laughs> that's my take that's my take on it <laughs> love it nick's giving us the space news all right i'll have to watch that um i'll have to search that up and we can talk about it next week um i'd heard that they were going to do it but i didn't know that they'd already done it yeah very cool get with the times oh i'm sorry i'm sorry everybody i'm letting you down here um okay so what else? What were you going to say? I was going to say that um, speaking of things to watch, I found a new YouTube channel that I think everybody that's listening to this podcast will love, including you, Nick. It is called okay. Just Machining. It's um, a channel by a German guy who runs a machine shop in Bavaria. It's called Bavaria oh. CNC. <laughs> um, and he has a beautiful machine. He has a Hermley C400 five-axis milling machine. Mm. And Those are cool. this whole channel is just him running parts. Like it's just, you know, up close machining of parts. No voiceover, no music, no bullshit. Just like watching parts get run on a really beautiful machine. That's so German. It's, oh, it's beautiful. I just love getting it. Right to the business. I love it. I wish, honestly, like every t- a machine tool manufacturer should take um, a page out of this guy's book. You know, like I cannot count the number of times I see like a really expensive machine and they're doing a demo of it and there's fucking music instead of being able <laughs> to hear the machine cut, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because like that's so important. Yeah, I want to hear the machine cut. Like it may sound like a horrible, chirpy crap, you know, like I want to hear the sure. the burp burp when it's cutting, you know? So, yeah, I, everyone should go check out that channel. I, I really like it. You'll see my comments on all these videos. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like... You're me- these are the mean comments? Yeah, exactly. I'm being super okay. mean to him. No, I, I mean, I just said on the latest one, I was like, I love that I'm, you know, running CNC machines and, like, programming machines, like, at least 50 hours a week. And yet here I am for fun, still watching this guy run his machines. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's when you know you like something. Yeah, seriously. Um. Maybe this is what you need, a Hermley. Oh, they are definitely. Do you have a million dollars? I do not. And you really are talking. Yeah, so. A million? Million? I'm not going to. I don't want to put too many dots together because people will be able to work out who I'm talking about. But I I know of other machines in a kind of similar class. And you are straight up talking about a million bucks for for that kind of machine. Yeah. It's, It's insane. I, like, I definitely can't stomach spending that much money on the machine that I'm then invariably going to crash as I'm learning five-axis machine. <laughs> yeah, five-axis is so cool. It is, yes. Uh, speaking of cool, I am cool. Did you know that? Mm, I had I, two... This is news to me. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not actually true, which is why it's news. <laughs> but um, I had a very fun week the last week. Part of the reason I've been so busy is I actually did two interviews on other podcasts. What? Yeah, so I did an interview with Jeff Fader on the Full Blast podcast, which is, um, he talks to a lot of like artists um, and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of, it's less about like how to do the stuff and more like why and how you got into it. So that was a lot of fun. Jeff's a great guy. I've known him for quite a while. And the other one was the Within Tolerance podcast, which is a machining podcast where he just does interviews with machinists. Um, and that's run by Dylan from Propium Machining. And that was also great fun. So 
Cool. If if you, Nick, or if listeners are looking for something else to listen to during the day, then Full Blast Podcast and Within Tolerance Podcast. They're, those will be out soon. Excellent. Yeah. If you haven't heard enough of my annoying voice, then there's more places for you to hear my annoying voice. Yeah. Can we auto-tune you? <laughs> You're nice. welcome to auto-tune me. You'll just have to take over the editing of this podcast. Oh, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and Nick's just like that. Nick's out. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much to, to deter me. Yeah, seriously. Uh, speaking of deterrence, I want you to leave right now. I think we are done this show. Okay. Well, why waste any more time? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. Have a great week, everyone, <laughs> and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.